Hello and welcome to CBS Radio Mystery Theater from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Stay tuned for Mystery Theater. I'm E.G. Marshall. We have another story designed to hit you right between the ears. Murder, of course, is a common everyday subject of the mystery story. But we promise you that this one murder has an entirely new kind of definition. You've heard the expression, being of two minds. Well, Joe Vincent, our hero, or should I say our victim, is very definitely a man who could be described that way. The only trouble is, one of those minds seems to be bent on homicide. Our mystery drama, My Own Murderer, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Henry Slesser and stars Mandel Kramer. It is sponsored in part by Anheuser-Busch Incorporated, Brewers of Budweiser, and Buick Motor Division. I'll be back shortly with Act One. What is the past? What is the present? Sometimes our minds can no longer tell the difference. Sometimes the strains and stresses of our lives stop us from sorting out the differences between then and now. You're about to meet a man who has this problem, and others. But in order to meet him, we have to take you away from what we hope are your comfortable surroundings and bring you to the mean streets of Skid Row to the shabbiest part of a large metropolitan city because that's where you'll find Mr. Joseph Vincent. I woke up. There was nothing unusual about waking up. I've been doing it all my life. But lately, waking up has been the beginning of a nightmare, not the end. The moment I opened my eyes, I knew this morning was going to be one of those One of those days when I'd have to face that terrible emptiness again, that frightening jump between the real and the unreal. Because when the cold light of morning oozed through the dirty panes of the window in front of me, when I finally made sense out of the strange angles and unfamiliar shapes that formed my surroundings, I realized that I was in a room I'd never seen before. The hotel room, probably. There were always hotel rooms foul-smelling boxes. But I was Joseph Vincent. And I didn't belong in a flea-bag flophouse of a hotel. I didn't belong in this cell of misery. I was Joseph Vincent, and I was rich. Hello? Here you check out. Time is 12 o'clock. What was that? This is a hotel, buddy, not a furnished room. You got 20 minutes to get out of there, or I'll have to charge you another nine bucks. Nine dollars? Is that the rate? That's right. I told you that where you checked in. When? When was that? What time last night? I don't remember. Was I drunk? Look, mister. All right. All right. Just tell me one more thing. What's the name of this hotel? It's the Hotel Macaulay's. All right. Thanks. And don't worry. I'm leaving. 
managed to get myself out of the bed. I was still dressed. My pants and shirt were eroded by wrinkles, but my jacket was lying untouched across a moldy armchair. I reached for the wallet and checked my money. It was all there. Then I saw something else. It was a water glass and a small bottle. I picked it up and looked at the label. There was a skull and crossbones on it. My flesh turned cold. And the small label blurred in front of my eyes. It was poison. No doubt of it. I put the bottle down with disgust. I struggled into my jacket. Went to the mirror to check out the condition of my face. There it was once more, the same familiar sight. The letters written in soap across the face of the mirror. And the message was signed as it always was, but this time the words read, Next time you die. Come in, Mr. Vincent. Thank you, Doctor. Ah, please, sit down. Thank you. Why don't we begin with the obvious? Tell me how you got my name. Well, you may not be flattered, Doctor, but I found it in a directory, a medical directory in the library. Well, at least you know something about my credentials. So, why not tell me about yourself? Well, you know my name, Joseph Vincent. I'm in Wall Street. Or I was. I've been sort of retired for a while. Mm-hmm. How old are you, Mr. Vincent? Fifty-six. Young for retirement. Was it voluntary, reasons of health? Yes, it was voluntary. I I made quite a bit of money in the market. I didn't see any real reason to keep to a nine-to-five schedule, especially especially after my wife died. When was that? That was about a year ago. It was an automobile accident. I, I was in the same crash, but I came out with just a concussion. Eleanor was killed outright. Was she driving? No, I was. Anyway, uh, that was when I decided to quit. The work didn't seem so interesting to me anymore, and then there was this other thing. What other thing? This thing that had started to happen to me. What was that exactly? Dr. Abrams, someone is trying to kill me. Are you... Really certain of that, Mr. Vincent? Yes. There have been three attempts. The last one took place two days ago. That's when I decided it was time for me to see somebody. A psychiatrist and not the police? Yes. May I ask why? Well, the person who is trying to kill me is myself. Uh, Mr. Vincent, are you telling me that you have suicidal impulses? No. No, Doctor, I don't have anything of the kind. Not me. I get these spells, Doctor. They started right after the accident. I keep waking up in filthy hotel rooms. Is that what happens during these spells? Yes. I suppose maybe you could call it amnesia, blackouts. I've had half a dozen since the accident, each one a little longer than the one before. They come on suddenly without any warning. And then I... I just find myself in one of these cheap rooms downtown around... 10th Avenue or something. I, I Sometimes I wake up at home in my own bed. Do you live alone? No, I have a housekeeper, Mrs. McLevy. She's been with me. It, 
Well, for more than 20 years. She's been worried sick about these disappearances of mine. Tell me about the last time. Well, I... I woke up in a place called the Hotel Margolis. I must have been drinking. I had a hangover. I could still taste the wine I'd drunk. A cheap Muscatel. There wasn't any wine bottle in the room, but there was something else. A bottle of poison. Poison? Yes. And there was one more thing. What was that? A note. Written on the mirror in soap. What did it say? It said, Next time you die. And it was signed, Joe Vincelli. Joe Vincelli? Who's that? It wasn't the first time Vincelli had threatened me. Twice before he left notes for me on the mirror. This time he tried to poison me. Next time. Next time is it. Mr. Vincent, who is Joe Vincelli? I told you. It's me. Yes. Look, I know my name is Joseph Vincent, but it wasn't always. I came to America 34 years ago, and my name was Giuseppe Verdi Vincelli. My father was a great opera lover. Everybody called me Joe when I arrived, and I had a lot of different jobs. I was a construction worker, I was a barber, a salesman for an ice cream company. Then a, a friend of mine got me interested in the stock market. I went to school at night for about four years, and then I got a job down on the street. I don't know, maybe I was smart or maybe I was lucky, but... And why do you think Joe Vincelli is after you? I don't know, Doctor. That's why I'm here. So you can explain it to me. Why this other man that's in me, in my own body, wants me dead. Dr. Abrams? Yes, Penny? I just wanted to remind you that Mr. Vincent will be here at 4 o'clock. Oh, yes, yes, I, I remember all too well. You don't sound very happy about it. I'm not sure that this case belongs to my office. You've dealt with suicidal types before. Yes, yes, I've dealt with them, and it's not difficult to find a suicide motive in Vincent's case, guilt over the death of his wife. Because of the auto accident? An auto that Vincent was driving. Subconsciously, he blames himself for her death and is seeking punishment. The only punishment that fits the crime. So he's resurrected the cruder, more violent personality of Joe Vincelli to do the job for him. And I'm afraid he might succeed. How awful. This other personality knows that Vincent is trying to defend himself, so he's all the more cunning, all the more difficult to reach. Maybe you need an exorcist, Doctor. <laughs> Maybe I need a detective. What? It may take months to get the answers out of Vincent's unconscious, and by that time... But what could a detective do? He could follow the man... Find out where he goes during these blackouts. What he does. Do you think that would help? <laughs> if I knew the answers to those questions, I might be able to save his life. Dr. Abrams, don't you remember what my husband Pete does for a living? Your husband? He's a cop. 
I don't understand what you intend to do, Dr. Abrams. Well, I know it's unorthodox, Mr. Vincent, but I think the problem is critical enough to warrant some unusual tactics. That's why I wanted you to meet Mr. O'Connor. Just call me Pete, Mr. Vincent. Uh, Pete is my nurse's husband. At the moment, he's on leave from the police force. I've got a minor disability. A junkie stabbed me in the side last month. But don't worry. I can get around just fine. Well, what do you intend to do? Arrest Joe Vincelli? You're not too far wrong. What we need to do, Mr. Vincent, is find out exactly where your friend Joe Vincelli takes you when you have these spells of amnesia. Mm. Now, I could continue to probe your unconscious for that answer, and I will, but at the same time, I'd like to try a direct approach to the problem. Yeah. I see that it does make sense. I've often thought I needed to be watched. If we can catch you in the personality of Joe Vincelli, Mr. Vincent... Maybe we can make Joe listen to reason and leave you alone. But the least we can do is stop him from killing you. Just wanted to say good night, Dr. Abrams. Good night, Penny. See you tomorrow. You know, if you wanted me to work on those files tonight, I could do that. No, 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 Penny. You run along home. The files can wait for another time. Well, tonight isn't a bad time at all, since I won't have a husband to cook for. Oh, yeah, that's true. I forgot. Pete's starting this surveillance tonight. He calls it a stakeout. I'll get that. Dr. Abrams' office. Penny, it's Pete. Hi. We were just talking about you. Ah, great. That's why my ears are burning. Say nothing on the rest of my face. You sound funny. Is anything wrong? Yeah, I'm wrong. This layoff of mine must have turned me stale. Pete, what's happened? I lost up the job. What's the matter? Doctor, I, I think you'd better talk to my husband. Hello, Pete. What's the trouble? He outfoxed me, Dr. Abrams. The first night, I let Vincent get away. He took this razor and got away from me. Razor? What are you talking about? I spoke to his housekeeper, Mrs. McCleavy. She caught him packing up this straight razor and leaving the house. And if we find Vincent with his throat cut, it'll be my fault. <laughs> question is, who got away? Was it Joseph Vincent, the wealthy, cultured, retired stockbroker? Or was it tough Joe Vincelli, a man capable of violence, perhaps capable of murder? And would both personalities finally come into conflict and end both their lives? We'll learn a great deal more when I return shortly with Act Two. Joseph Vincent has disappeared, and in the offices of Dr. William Abrams, a gloomy trio has gathered to determine their next step. None of them certain that Joseph Vincent hasn't already known the vengeance of his alter ego, Joe Vincelli. I don't know how I could have been so stupid. The boys in the station house hear about this. They won't let me back. Stop blaming yourself, Pete. No, no, it's my fault, really. I should have warned you that something like this could happen. Yeah, but the very first night of my stakeout. Well, that's something I never figured. It's something that Joseph Vincent's alter ego figured, however. Pete, how did it happen exactly? Well, I was sitting outside in my car, and I saw Mr. Vincent leaving his house. So I started the engine. Well, that's when he waved to me and came over. Well, what did he say? He just said he was walking around the corner to the newspaper store. Did he look the same? Sound the same? Exactly. I couldn't see anything wrong with the guy at all. He fooled me, Penny. Hmm. He wasn't Joseph Vincent at all. 
It was this other guy, Joe Vincelli. Well, what did you do when he didn't return? I went looking for him, of course, but he was nowhere in sight. So I figured he hopped a bus or a taxi. His car was still out in front. That's right. Well, anyway, that's when I decided to go into the house and talk to Mrs. McCleavy. His housekeeper? Right. And she told you about the razor? Yeah. She said she passed Vincent's bedroom and saw him putting the straight razor into a case and slipping it into his coat pocket. But why? I think I'd like to ask Mrs. McLeavy that myself. I feel just terrible about this, Doctor. Just awful. I just don't understand it, Dr. Abrams. I've known the man for 20 years and I've never seen him act so strange. When was the first time you knew about Mr. Vincent's problem? I never did know the first couple of times. He didn't say a word. But then he couldn't hide the truth anymore. Once he was gone for a whole week, just walked out of the house without a word, and didn't come back for a week. His clothes were a terrible mess. They were in such bad shape, he told me to throw them away. And did you? Yes. Did you notice anything... Unusual about the clothes? I mean, any strange markings, perhaps something in the pockets? Well, there was one thing. What was it? Well, I'm a little bit ashamed to say. No, please, Mrs. McLeavy, it might be important. Well, it was a calendar. One of those. Those? Oh, you know, with one of those women on it without a stitch. Oh, yes, I see. Uh, Do you uh, still have it? No, I threw it away. Along with his dirty clothes. But do you have the clothes he wore the last time he disappeared? Oh, yeah, I got them all ready for you. Just back from the dry cleaners. The dry cleaners? Of course. I sent them out just as soon as he came back. Ah, Mrs. McLeavy, we wanted those clothes just the way they were. Well, I can't imagine why you'd want dirty clothes, Doctor. Well, never mind. I'll take them just the way they are. I'll get them for you. Or, Mrs. McLeavy. Yeah? One more thing. Did Mr. Vincent always use a straight razor? Why, no, he never did. What? He used an electric razor all the time. Hey, Joe! For the love of Pete, if it ain't Joe Vincelli. Hello, Mike. How are you? Uh, Where you been for the last couple of weeks? I give up on you already. Well, I've been around. Around, huh? Uh, tell me the truth. You were hitting the bottle again, huh? Oh, I don't know, Mike. Maybe a little. You're sure a funny guy, Joe. Five times you come to work for me, and five times you walk out without a goodbye. If I didn't like you so much, I'd throw you out on your ear, eh? <laughs> You're a good barber, Joe. You give people their money's worth. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate that. A man like you, a real artist with the shears and the razor. Joe, listen to me. Why don't you try and cut it out, huh? The vino, I mean. Yeah, yeah, I guess I should, not. That stuff don't do no good. You ought to be working steady, saving money. No, no, for your old age. Sure, sure, I know, Mike. What's the matter, Joe? You don't look so good. Oh, well, uh, it's my head, uh, my head, uh, it hurts. Ah, you see, that's what the vino gets. No, 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 I, I, I haven't, I haven't had a drink. It's just, just that my head hurts sometimes. Mike, you will take me back, won't you? Can I work for you again? 
But for how long, Joe? Two days, a week. With you, I'm never sure. But I need the work, Mike. I don't know what I'd do with myself if I didn't work. <laughs> okay, Joe, okay. I could never say no to a good barber. You got the job. Thanks, Mike. And listen, you bring your old razor, Joe, huh? Or you... Or you hock it, maybe? No. No, I didn't hock it, Mike. I got it right here. I wish you wouldn't look like that, Dr. Abram. I'm sorry, Penny. I can't help blaming myself for what's happened. That's fine. I've got a husband who blames himself and a boss who blames himself. Maybe it was wrong to handle it this way. Maybe we should call the police. He is the police. And he really doesn't think you have grounds to involve them, Doctor. That man is carrying a murderer around with him. I suppose so. But I can't help wondering... Well, it all seems pretty obvious to me about where Mr. Vincent goes when he has these blackouts. All right, where? You know the old expression, cherchez la femme? <laughs> yes, I know. Find the woman. Don't you think that's the most likely explanation? Because of that girly calendar Mrs. McLevy found? Well, it does seem to indicate an interest in the opposite sex. The poor man's been widowed for over a year. Would it be surprising if he went out hunting for feminine company? That must be Pete. Let him in, Penny. Hi, honey. How are you? Uh, okay, I guess. I'm afraid I don't have much to report. I got the laboratory report on Vincent's clothing. The suit Mrs. McLevy had dry cleaned. Yeah, that made it kind of <laughs> tough. But there was one substance the dry cleaners didn't get out. What was that? Well, near as they can tell, Doc, it was powder. Face powder. Face powder? Are you sure, Pete? Well, not much doubt about it. It was a kind of cheap brand, but that's what it was. Well, what do you know? I was right. Cherchez la femme. Ah, nobody gives a shave like you, Joe. You really got the touch. Oh, thanks, Mike. It's worth it to be having you work here. Just so you can give me a shave. Hey, Joe, you son of a gun, so you're back. Oh, hi, Phil. How are you, Joe? Where you been lately? I missed you, old buddy. Oh, uh, I, I've been away. Last time I saw you, you were hitting that vino pretty hard. <laughs> oh, you're a bad boy, Joe. You know that gin and vino don't mix. That's right. Hey, we, uh, we played gin rummy together, didn't we? Hey, how you like that? Doesn't even remember. Took 50 bucks off me and he can't remember a thing. Hey, good for you, Joe. Teach you these young punks that ass. Well, how about wearing your great shades, Joe? Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, uh, I'm not working anymore today. You mean you're quitting so soon? Yeah, Joe. Joe has got the headache. Oh, oh, that's too bad, Joe. Hey, listen. If you feel like relaxing, how about coming over to my place? My girl Anita is there. She'll fix us a little pasta or something and... Maybe we could play a friendly game of gin. Well, I don't know. Hey, Joe, no. Maybe you better go home and lie down for a while. Home? Well, yeah, you've got some place to stay, don't you? Hey, come on, Joe. Give me a break. Let me try to win back some of that bread. All right. All right. All right, Phil. I'll give you a chance. Just uh, just let me get my coat. Hey, great. I'll wait for you outside. Hey. Listen, Joe. You really think... It's a good idea. Oh, sure, sure, why not? Oh, you don't know that guy. What are you doing playing cards with a guy you don't even know? I've got to do something, Mike. I can't just eat and sleep. A guy's got to do something. Well, 
I just hope you know what you're doing. <coughs> Go on, Joe. Help yourself. <coughs> Boy, these cards are really lousy. <laughs> they look better after a little more vino, Joe. Looks to me like you boys need a fresh bottle. Hmm? No. No, no more for me. Don't you like the stuff, Joe? Maybe I shouldn't drink it anymore. My head feels like a tom-tom. Hey, maybe it's the red stuff. Hey, Anita, how about breaking out that Chablis? How's that sound, Joe? Hmm? Yeah. Okay. Okay. There you are. I gave you the eight of hearts. Oh, that's nice of you, Joe. I'll take that there little eight of hearts and give you the two of diamonds. There you go, boys. Nice, fresh two bottle. Two diamonds. Two diamonds don't do me no good. Drink up, Joe. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. How about picking another card, Joe? <coughs> mm. Oh, can I, can I just pick one? <laughs> You're getting a little stupid now, Joe. Mm? Drink your vino, Joe. That'll make everything look better. Yeah, go ahead, Joe. Have a drink. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's good. It's very good, Phil. This is very nice. <laughs> oh, Hey, Joe. Yeah, he's out like a light. Dead to the world. Hey, come on. Give me a hand with him. What are you going to do, Phil? You know what I'm going to do, baby. I want to make sure that Mr. Vincelli is really dead to the world. It would appear that Mike the Barber gave good advice to his friend Joe Vincelli. Too much vino obviously doesn't do him any good. In fact, too much vino seems to be threatening his life at the moment. Obviously, more than one person seems to want Mr. Vincent dead. Or is Phil's intended victim Joe Vincelli? We'll find out when I return shortly with Act Three. Joseph Vincent has disappeared, and a man who used to call himself Joe Vincelli has taken over his body, returning to the trade he knew as a young man. But Joe Vincelli has encountered another young man who doesn't seem to like barbers and is about to do something about it. At the same time, in the office of a psychiatrist named Dr. Abrams, a worried trio ponders the problem. I can tell you one thing. Vincent didn't take a taxi when he walked around that corner. I checked it out with the hack bureau. No cabbie in the vicinity picked up a guy that fits his description that night. Therefore, he either walked to where he was going or he took a bus. Mm. Let's face it, we're at a dead end. Don't use that word. You really think the guy's a menace to his own life, Doctor, huh? Well, he hasn't been my patient long enough for me to answer that, but based on his past history, I'd say the chances are pretty good. Mm. I'll get it. Dr. Abrams' office. Who? Yes, he's here. Pete, this Mm. call is for you. A man named Halsey. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's Sam Halsey from the lab. Uh, Hello, Sam. Yeah. Uh Uh, Uh-huh. How many did you say? Well, that's peculiar, huh? Yeah, yeah, sure. 
Uh, well, thanks a lot, Sam. I, I really appreciate this. So long. What was that all about? Well, the laboratory isn't still working on those clothes of Vincent, are they? No, not the suit that was dry clean, but I found another suit in Vincent's closet. I kind of, uh, well, borrowed it to see if we would turn up the same kind of face powder. Did you? No. But Sam says they found something else. They found hairs on the suit. Small particles of hair. Mm-hmm. Blonde or brunette? Well, that's the crazy part. They found both. And some redhead, too. Wow. Did you say he wasn't a Romeo? Now, wait a minute. If they were small particles, uh, I... Of course, I just remembered what Vincent told me about his early life in this country. What did he say? He had several jobs here before he got into the stock market, and one of them was barber. Barber? Hey, that would explain it all right. The small bits of hair. And that calendar he brought home that time. Where's a better place to pick up a girly calendar than a barber shop? And that face powder on his clothes. Oh, that's it. He goes to a barber shop. I'd say he probably works there. And that would explain why he packed that straight razor of his. It's probably the same razor he used when he started shaving guys in America. But why in the world does he want to work in a barber shop? He's a rich man. Ah, but he's not a rich man when Joe Vincelli takes over his body. He's the poor immigrant all over again doing the same work he did then. So all we've got to do is find out which barber shop he works in. He's sure to be working under his old name, Vincelli. But there must be a thousand barber shops in this city. We can't call all the barbers. Well, if we're lucky, we won't have to call them all. We'll find the one where Mr. Vincelli is working. Hey, come on, Joe. Ah, you can make it all, buddy. Just a few steps more. Hey, 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 what is this? You bringing that wino back here? What's the matter, Donis? Hop that one, customers. Not like that one. He won't be in any trouble. He'll just sleep it off. Yeah, well, just make sure he's got enough money to pay the room rent. You don't have to worry about my pal. Yeah, maybe you better pay for it in advance. Okay, sure, friend. Anything you say. As long as I can make sure my boy Joe is all right. Hello? Apex Barber? Vincelli. Do you have a no, barber B-I-N-C-E-L-L-I. named V-I-N-C-E-L-L-I. No, no. All right, thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Okay, okay, thank hello. you. Thank uh, you. Is this the Continental Barbershop? Hello, Freddy's Barbershop? You have a barber. Uh, you got a barber uh, no. named Lincoln Joe Barbershop. Vincelli Where, working there. Tell me if you have a barber named Joe Vincelli oh, there. What's that? Uh, uh, hey, Doc, Doc Penny, I got him. Never mind. Yeah, yeah, I understand. But but can you tell me where he went? Isn't he there? Uh, no, he took off this afternoon with a friend. Does he know where the friend lives? He said he doesn't know. Uh, hello? Uh, listen, uh, are you the owner? Yeah, it's very important that we find Mr. Vincelli. Well, but you must have some idea. Uh, Pete, Pete, uh, tell him we'll come down there and talk to him in person. Yeah, look, if... If Joe is in some kind of trouble... No, no, it's not the kind of trouble you might think, Mr. D'Angelo. You said you were a cop, right? Yes, I'm a police officer, but this gentleman here is a doctor. Uh, Joe Vincent's doctor. Who's Joe Vincent? The guy I know is named Vincelli. Yeah, well, they're one and the same. We think that your friend may be in danger, Mr. D'Angelo. He has definite suicidal tendencies. Joe does? That's right. And unless we can locate him, he may never work for you or anyone else again. Well, like I told you, there's a fella comes in here. Joe played cards with him a couple of times. All I know is his first name, Phil. Uh, Well, what does he do for a living? I don't know. I think he's a bookie. 
I told Joe not to get mixed up with him. Uh, and you, uh, you don't know where he lives? No, huh? I, I don't know. Oh, wait a minute. Huh? He has got a girlfriend in the neighborhood named uh, uh, Anita French. Maybe she can tell you where he is. That's it, Joe. That's all it's going to take. Just turn on the heater and let some nice gas into the room. Sure, Joe. <laughs> you just lie back and take it easy. Now, just one more thing. Gotta get the soap. Now, here it is. Now, let's see. Uh, what do we want to write today, Joe? Hey, I know. Just one word today, Joe, okay? Just one word. Yeah? What do you want? Uh, Miss French? That's right. Police, Miss French. Police? What did I do? Oh, nothing, miss. We just want to ask you a few questions. Well, maybe we come in? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Well, it looks like there's been a card game here, huh? Is that why you're here on a gambling bus? Well, forget it. It was just a friendly game. No, 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 that's not why we're here. We came to ask you about a friend of yours named Phil. And his friend, Joseph. I mean, Joe Vincelli. Was Mr. Vincelli here today, miss? Uh, yeah, he was. So what? Where's Mr. Vincelli now? How should I know? The game broke up and they left. Miss French, this may be hard to explain, but this man you know as Joe Vincelli isn't Joe Vincelli. He has another personality, another identity. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, it's not important that you understand. What is important is that Joe Vincelli is in danger of taking his own life. What? Uh, we've got to find this guy before he hurts himself. Now, can you understand that much? Hey, Pete, wait a minute. Look at this. Well, what is it, Doc? A matchbook. The Hotel Margolis. Hey, that's right across the street. That's where Vincent went the last time. <laughs> Maybe he's gone back again. <laughs> Mr. Vincent! Joe! Are you in there? He might be asleep. Or worse. Come on, you. Open the door. All right, I'm ready. All right. Oh, oh good Lord, it's gas. <coughs> Turn that heater off. <coughs> the window open. Hey, Doc. Ah, look at that mirror. Yeah, he's written all over it with soap. Hey, is he dead? No, no, he's still alive. All right, get him out in the hall, quick. Give me a hand. Okay, yeah. come on, come on. Oh. Yeah, are you sure he's breathing? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's okay. Oh. Uh, Mr. Vincelli. Oh. I'd sure like to know what's going on. Oh, just shut up, come on. Oh. Oh. Uh, Dr. Abrams, is that you? Yeah, yes, it's Dr. Abrams. Oh. Do you know who you are? <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm Joseph Vincent. Wow. Oh. That's something, anyway. Hey, Doc. <laughs> do you see what it says on the mirror? Yes. Just one word. Oh. Death. Yeah. And it's signed Joe Vincelli. What? What happened? Did I... Did I do it again? Did I try to kill myself again? It looks that way, Mr. Vincent. Only this time you almost succeeded. Hey, hey, wait a minute. What is it, Pete? Mr. Vincent, let me see your hands. My hands? Look at them. They're filthy. Well, so what? Well, it means he hasn't washed them. No. I guess I didn't. 
There's no soap smell on him either. Not a trace. What are you getting at, Pete? The note on the mirror was written with a cake of soap. But there's no trace of soap on Mr. Vincent's hands. He didn't write on that mirror, Doc. We were wrong about Joe Vincelli. No, Pete. I'm sure there's a Vincelli personality. But maybe Vincelli isn't a killer. Maybe the killer's got an identity all his own. Ah, Mike. Oh, hello, Pete. I nearly said you called uh, something about my buddy Joe. Yeah, that's right. I'm afraid Joe won't be around to save you in the hall, Pete. No kidding. Disappeared again. Yeah, hey. But look, I don't want to lose a good customer. You you sit down. I show you I can give you as good a shave. Okay, Mike. I want to take a chance. Ah, poor Joe. He really liked this vino too much. Yeah, I'm afraid of so. Here, let me put this towel around yeah. you. Hey, is he going to be okay? You know? Uh, I'm afraid it's a kind of serious fear. Hey, this ladder too hot for you? No, 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 it's fine. Well, go on, Mike, tell me a worst. I'll tell you the worst, Phil. Hey, Joe, what are you doing here? Hand me that razor, Mike, I'll take over. Uh, yeah, sure, Joe. And I'll be in the back if you need me. Hey, wait a What's minute. What's the matter, Phil? Huh? You always said I gave the best shave in town. Uh, listen, Joe, you, maybe better not. A uh, man in your condition... Don't move. Razor is a very delicate instrument, you know that? Joe, take it easy, huh? One wrong move here, you could kill a man in two seconds. Joe, I... Feel how sharp that blade is against your throat. Oh, I keep my razor sharp, Phil. Get that thing away from me! Wouldn't move if I were you. What is this? You know what it is, Phil. I'm not Joe Vincelli anymore. I'm Joseph Vincent now. And Joseph Vincent doesn't remember how to handle a razor anymore. Yeah, you're crazy. Not as crazy as you thought I was. I thought it was Joe Vincelli who wanted me dead. But it was you. You, Phil, all along. Why? What for? I, I, I swear, I, I never meant to hurt you. No, just to kill me. Hmm? Now, if you don't tell me why... Hey, stop! Hey, look, I'm bleeding! Only a small cut, Phil. In another few seconds... Somebody help me! You can help yourself, Phil. Tell me who you are. I, I'm, uh... I'm Phil McLeavy. McLeavy? I'm your housekeeper's son. Mrs. McLeavy's son? I don't believe you. She wouldn't do anything like this. She doesn't know anything about it. It was all my idea. What idea? Stop it. Hey, hey, stop it, will you? Look at the blood. I... I... Talk or I'll kill you. Oh, okay. When she told me about those spells you had, I... I figured it out. She showed me a calendar you brought home once. It had the address of Mike's barbershop, sir. So I came here. Why did you follow me? I thought, if you're trying to kill yourself, nobody would ever think it was murder. Why? What was in it for you? Well, I... I, I knew you were going to leave my mother a lot of money. You didn't have anybody else. And when she got it, I'd get mine too. You would kill her next? Oh, no, no, I swear it. You know something, Phil? Some people should get their throats cut. Oh, no, no, no! Mr. Vincent. Hold it right there. Help me. Help me. He just tried to kill me. Stop blubbering, Cal. You're okay. You just had a very close shave. (laughs) 
They say that barbershop shaves are becoming a lost art. And if that's the kind of shave they're handing out these days, I can well understand. Of course, we hope the barbers in our audience aren't offended. Personally, we think there's only one thing more relaxing than an afternoon in a barber's chair. And that's the time spent listening to the Radio Mystery Theater. Perhaps you'll remember the story about the man in the barbershop who was getting a fine straight razor shave while a very pretty blonde lady manicured his nails. He said to her, You're the prettiest girl I've seen in years. How about a date tonight? She replied, Why don't you ask my husband? He's shaving you. (laughs) What? No laugh? Well, that's not the purpose of the Radio Mystery Theater anyway. We're here to hand out chills and thrills, and we hope you'll be back for more. Our cast included Mandel Kramer, Robert Dryden, Catherine Byers, Suzanne Grossman, Ian Martin, and Sam Gray. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division and Anheuser-Busch Incorporated, Brewers of Budweiser. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. Tonight's W.R. Mystery Theater was also brought to you in part by ShopRite Supermarkets, where you get a lot more for a little less. The preceding program is furnished by the Columbia Broadcasting System.